This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, and even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is iFanboy Pick of the Week, number 696, brought to you by Harry's. Join the 10 million who have tried Harry's. Claim your special offer by going to harrys.com slash iFanboy. And iFanboy listeners just like you. And whatever comes our way Yeah 
Soundboard Pick of the Week, episode 696. I'm Josh Flanagan, and thank goodness I'm back here with Conical Patrick. I'm back, and I may not sound excited about it or well-rested, but I am both. It's just allergy season all the time. <laughs> and it's not really season then, is it? <laughs> allergy life. Allergy life. <laughs> He has that on his on his his a tattoo. Yes, my across his across stomach. My abdomen. Yeah, allergy, allergy life. life. And then like Zyrtec down one arm, and he's <laughs> he's working on a Claritin sleeve. Yeah, we are a fanboy, and every week we're dorks, mm-hmm. and we read our stack of comics. Uh, one of us picks their favorite book, and we call that the pick of the week. We talk about the book. We'll talk about other books. We choose carefully what we want to talk about and how and where and how much. There's a patron pick. There may be listener mail. There will be patron powers. There will be fun. There might be a sneeze or two. Your spoiler warning is that we are going to talk about what happens in these books. Uh, it is less rewarding for us to do so while avoiding those things, so deal with it. Connor, you had the pick the I first did. time in a while. First of all, thank you to, I'm sure you talked about last week, thank you to Ryan and yeah. to Jim for filling in two weeks ago. And Ryan last week, that uh, was very helpful as I was on vacation. And I thought they did a good job, those two guys. It was a really good show. Yeah. I listened to that one because I read those books. I haven't read last week's books yet, so I haven't heard your sh- and Ryan's show. But it ties in here because the pick is Batman Universe number two. Last week you picked Superman Up in the Sky number yeah. two. Both of these are the Walmart books. And I just want to warn everyone that if... Batman Universe comes out when I have the pick. It's probably going to be the pick of the week. So (laughs) get used to hearing about it. Since you haven't listened to it, the one point that I made about them is that previously there was all the retailers who were were, uh, bitching about not getting this book and Walmart got it. And I was like, oh, come on. And then I read them. I was like, you have a right to be upset. They were really good. (laughs) I I get it. Top Flight Town. This is Brian Michael Bendis, Nick Darrington, Dave Stewart, Josh Reed. That's about as good as you can get in each, each category. Issue one was pick of the week, so this is two in a row. In the last issue, we had uh, Green Arrow show up as sort of the cliffhanger, and this is a this is a Green Arrow Batman team up for half the issue, and it seems to be, I guess maybe it's Brian Michael Bendis' tour through DC, through this book. Yeah, kind of. He's dealing with a bunch of heroes. We go to Gorilla City. By the end of it, we end up in Thanagar. It's kind of like Bendis can dip his toe in all the waters and play around with the Riddler and Vandal Savage, who does not look at all like Vandal Savage. A lot of a lot of fun things. It, it just this was extremely fun. Again, you posted a, a panel from this issue to mm-hmm. our Instagram, which I was going to post the exact same one. Uh huh. And you mentioned that it's 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 not quite the Batman we're used to, and I w- will mostly agree. I think that he is always a little different with his buddies, and he's actually quite fond of Green Arrow. Like he's Green Arrow historically has been one of his closer hero friends, so. The lighter, the sort of lighter, almost jokier version of Batman here makes sense to me. It's obviously a little bendicized. It's a little, a little bit lighter and a little bit jokier. But I didn't find it so egregiously off because these two are pretty close. It's not like he's hanging out with uh, Firestorm or whatever. But here we have, you know, a chase for this MacGuffin-like device that Riddler has stolen, the Faberge egg, and and Green Arrow and Batman get to get to chase him and beat him up and joke around and. And then Batman infiltrates Gorilla City. I love the sequence with Batman in his holographic VR Batcave. That that yeah, was really cool. Yeah. That was new. I've never seen that before. You get points in superhero comics now for just doing a thing. Well, I've never thought of that. That's yeah. So while he flies to Gorilla City, he he's sitting in the Batcave through VR, and that was you know able to use his computers. And at first, I was like, wait, did he go back? And then mm-hmm. I thought, I thought, is the Bat plane building around him? Like I didn't know what was happening. And then the reveal, I was like, that's pretty cool. I love his Gorilla City. The Nick Darrington art is 
out of this world with this book. And then at the end, this egg zaps him to Thanagar. This is super fun. It's super fun, and it's beautiful. It really is, and and I think what's interesting about it is that it's a departure from, uh, you know, the Batman we know. That scene, no one else would have written that scene of Ollie and Batman talking. Mm -hmm. Like, no one. Um, And and the way it was written, and it kind of takes a certain amount of chutzpah, I guess, you know, or, or a lot of... You know, Bendis carries a lot of weight. He can kind of take chances. He can do what he wants to. He can, you know, like he's going to do something weird and the editors aren't going to really push back on him in the same way they would other people. And, you know, there's a confidence with that that can work either way. Right. And in this, like, I definitely had the feeling of like, this isn't right. And then I thought, who cares? (laughs) And I think that's really important with these comics, like good Trump's correct. Mm hmm in superhero comics a lot of the time you know and then you know like well, let's go to gorilla city and the fact is like if you're writing superhero comics every time you don't go to gorilla <laughs> city it is a strength of will because i mean i'm like what do you want to do with it i'd like to take him to gorilla city like that should be everybody's first answer and and every time it isn't that means that they had to fight really hard against that instinct right and I guess the other thing that occurred to me in this is I'm I'm reading it, I'm looking at Nick Darrington's art, and I was trying to think of like, it's it's incredibly good. And, mm-hmm. and, and like in the in like, well, why isn't this person on more things or more famous? And sometimes the more famous you are, the less things you have to do, and that's how it works or whatever. But like we haven't seen a ton of him. What I think it occurred, there's a lot of it's colored by Dave Stewart, but yep. there's a lot of Darwin in this art. It's, you know what's I, interesting? It's it's almost a cross between Darwin and Frank Whiteley. Yeah, I can. Which I can is a weird that. two styles that are totally opposite, but in a lot of the character, in the way the characters are sort of the the faces, I see a lot of Quietly, yeah. but then in the storytelling, I see Darwin. Yeah, totally. You know, and again, like the the Dave Stewart stuff sort of leads you to recognize that to a certain extent, but it's a re- it's a really wonderful quality, and it. it's a unique style like it's it's like it's both clean and sketchy in a weird way yep you just don't see that often after last issue when we talked about him we wondered where he'd been or why we hadn't seen more of him he had been doing doom patrol oh which, no shit which i had forgotten i'd read doom patrol and I, the art was terrific i just you know that book didn't really stick with me so i did forgot about it but he had been the artist on doom patrol for for about a year now i think yeah. he's poised to break out here yeah, I, I could see that. I, you know, it's one of those things like where if you're a Bendis or even a Tom King now, you can you can see a guy who you who you like doing something, you just go, that's the one. You know, you you anoint them to a certain extent. You know, like we're going to put you over here, but I can see why. He did Doom Patrol with Gerard Way, and then he did basically a year of Mister Miracle covers. Yeah, and then I was so so desperately not trying to say Miracle Man there after your interview with Tom King. Nice work. Mr. Miracle covers, and then now he's doing, doing this with Bendis. So he's he's working with top people. Yeah, clearly the top people know to get him. You know, he yeah. needs to blow yeah. up now. Totally. I love the guard who says, "Oh, cool, it is Batman." When they discover him, like, I just <laughs> love. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's it's a it's just really fun, and I get why, as you said in the beginning, why retailers were pissed. But we all knew we'd get these books eventually. Yeah, you know, like that Walmart thing first happened. We got a lot of emails and comments from people asking if we had, did we go to Walmart to search for them? I said no. They're either going to show up at stores or they're not. 
And yeah. if they don't, there's plenty of other books. But I knew they would. There's no way they're going to do a Batman Bendis book and not eventually release it to the stores. And it's Tom King, Superman, same thing. And so eventually, we just, you said to wait. Just had to yeah, and the, the, the retailers are going to get all, not all, but the people who are going to buy them anyway, we're going to buy them. And like the people who are crazy, we're going to buy both versions. And then also there's a double dip thing where, you know, if the Walmart versions become wanted, then there'll be a secondary market for those two. And I'm sure they were selling them with a markup, and they will be, and whatever. Like it's, you know, they 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 they're fine. Everything's fine. It's just sort of like been nice to read it sooner, I guess. Right. I mean, I keep saying fun, and we we've been really enjoying Bendis's DC, you know, experience. He's uh, mm-hmm. Superman, and and we're going to talk about his next book and next other book next. And he fits like a glove. He brings that spark of Bendis that was present in the early 2000s in the, in the Avengers books to DC, and it's really working. Because if you recall, 15 years ago or whatever it was, we. We and other people said the same thing when he was doing Avengers. It's like, is this is this the right voice? But eventually, it it became the right voice. Yeah, because the story. And I don't really want good. other people to do that voice. It's a, it's like it's like Thor Ragnarok, which you don't love as much as I do. But like, it was awesome. I don't want anyone else to do that. Right. <laughs> like, it's it's sort of like that with Bendis. Like Bendis, you get away with this, and and it, and it fits other people who who try to do it. It's very obvious and it's clunky. He's just got the stuff. You got to do your own thing. And I have no doubt that Bendis could do like a super straight up serious Batman story. He's done 100%. in the past, but this is much more his voice now, and it it's incredibly enjoyable. You know, yeah. I I don't really love the one hundred percent dreary Batman. You know, it works for certain stories, but I, I I like him to have personality and heart with the people he cares about. You know, he cares about everyone. That's his whole point. But like. I like him to have a different personality around his family. I like him to have a different personality around Superman. I like him to have a different personality around the Justice League. Like people he spends a lot of time with, I like him to be a little bit lighter. And you know, possibly because I grew up on the, the Giffen Justice League books, in which he was he was in a sitcom. He was doing vaudeville. <laughs> so I'm I'm happy to see him here like this with Green Arrow. It's fun. Yeah, and then you know, the other thing is, you know, just because you like something doesn't mean you want to have it in every version of right. it you read for. 30 years or whatever you know like it's been the, the way to go for since basically for the most part since 86 and, and even before that you know play yeah. around neil adams and Danny o'neill yeah. yeah i mean it's 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 incredibly fun and uh, clearly bendis loves this batman grunero team up because they are also teammates on event leviathan number three the six issue mystery yeah. thriller which, he, which I read back to back, which may not have been the best call. It's a little bit flash effect there. <laughs> so here, the team of detectives, Batman, Green Arrow. I don't know if Green Arrow is a detective, but we'll, we'll take it. Uh, Plastic Man, I don't know if he's a detective, but we'll take it. Uh, the Question, Manhunter, Lois Lane, <laughs> fucking Damien, are uh, in Fortress of Solitude trying to figure out if Leviathan is Red Hood. And uh, we flash back to them. At the end of the last issue, they tried to subdue Red Hood, and that was the cliffhanger. And here uh, we see that he dispatches all of them. A little bit of a stretch, but we'll go with it. Yeah, I did not. I did not like that. I don't. I don't like. I don't like Red Hood more than I don't like Damien. Right. No, he's I just. I, you know, they brought him back. We're not going to relitigate bringing him back. They brought him back. It no, is I, I'm but actually like, fine with that. It he he is a Robin. It's it's like if they try to subdue Dick Grayson, I would I would expect he would basically get away with from everybody but Batman. But you know, but the, like bit about him being like, would they say the best martial artist? Yeah, that was yeah, that was. I was like, what? Best you know, like, I don't mind that. I, I think Jason Todd, in retrospect, was a mistake. Period. Yeah. 
maybe not quite at the level of the Flash kids, but you know something best left behind. You do a, a story where you bring him back or do whatever, and and then shuffle him off stage. But he hasn't, and I, for the life of me, cannot figure out why you know Dandidio had been so gung ho to get rid of Dick Grayson, but everybody seemed fine with with Red Hood around. It's it's weird. It doesn't make sense. Like, are there legions of Jason Todd fans out there? Clearly not buying the books because the books he stars in don't sell that I, well. I can only assume that a certain portion of like the business folk at DC go, well, look how much money this character made thirty-one years ago. Thirty was it eighty-eight or eighty-nine? Um, eighty, eighty-eight, eighty-seven, around there. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, like, like you know, it's like Jim Lee. Like they're just like you put him on stuff. He sells books. You know, those are those same people. Like I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. I, I mean, you have to kind of get past that, the idea that he basically gets, he takes everybody out. out and they, that, he's the, he's the Red Hood, which was the... The Joker's identity. The Joker in The Killing Joke, which doesn't make sense. And he always looks different in everything, so... Well, he, he, you know, awesome. the, he, he takes on the identity of the Red Hood as a fucked up psychological thing. Because the yeah, Joker killed him. I know. But yeah, he does look different every time. It... it it is what it is. I'm never all that happy to see him show up. Occasionally he works. There was that really funny thing with, with the whole Bat family and him, with Tom King wrote. But, like, I never, I'm never excited to see Jason Todd is what my point is. And I, don't, I, I was a little, I think it was Damien who called him the best fighter in the, in the world. Yeah. Like, I was like, really? No. Batgirl, what's her name? She's the best one. There's Batgirl, there's Lady Shiva, there's Batman, there's Black Canary. There's, there's all these people that have been established as, as like, the best fighters yeah. in DC. But whatever. I did really enjoy, like, once they sort of got beyond him and figured yes. out that Amanda Waller had bugged the, the Fortress of Solitude. That was a fun scene. And then I really liked her scene with Leviathan at the end. Yeah. And then, and, then the, and then the last page, you know, reveal, which you don't normally like, but I loved this one with Superman showing up. And clearly Alex Maleev can draw anybody, and it will look great. Yeah, I so just to cap the Red Hood bit, I liked the conversation that he had with Lois a lot. Now that was good. That was the best scene. It, in the midst of a thousand superheroes trying to take him down at the same time, I was like, why, why, where are they? <laughs> <laughs> there, was, there was a bit of that, but it also it just the whole it felt forced mm-hmm. in the in that like they didn't like I, I don't believe that they would believe he would do it and sort of go after him that much. And so that's like, and then also Lois proves that by being the person to be like, all right, just talk to me. Right. You know, like that made a lot more sense. And then one other comment I suppose is that I really like how Alex Maleev drew Amanda Waller. She's a tough character because she's supposed to be sort of all powerful, but she's always drawn as this sort of doughy middle-aged woman. who doesn't look like she's capable of anything. Mm-hmm. And here I think he melded that really well he didn't draw her like angela bassett she plays amanda waller right is that right she was always the sort of heavy middle-aged person and then the movie yeah. came out and so suddenly she dropped 100 pounds and in the comics and then now she's back to being sort of the old version which was the much better version for the spy who doesn't, doesn't yes. shouldn't look like the master spy at least right that's but also role. like just this version is just a little like she she looks capable she doesn't look like a supermodel like everybody but like I look at her, and I buy her that she's you know on the run that she can handle, she can do all this stuff, right? You know, whereas before, I I, I don't I don't think that that was that was right. I think I feel like comic artists didn't know what to do with her. And I think this is a good, like you know, we like her as a character a lot. She's a great character. Yeah, 
this scene is great, and uh, and it's a six issue mini. It's it seems to be pretty quick. It's fairly fairly self contained. It's not like it's showing up anywhere else. So it's kind of like you're just getting this very laser focused story um, right here. That I guess it bleeds into the Superman books a bit. So I really like this. I didn't love it as much as I did the Fruise too, but I liked this issue again. All right. You texted me this week, and I'm gonna clean up your language. You basically just said, "I don't think the art of Invaders is any good." Invaders number eight. <laughs> that was the issue you're talking about. That yeah. that was the ju- the gist of your text. Uh, first of all, I fucking love the cover. And I, I never talk about covers, but I love arrogant fixing his cuffs, Namor in the black suit with the wings sticking out of his pants. This is a callback to the John Byrne series that he wrote and drew, and then Jay Lee drew, in which he was a businessman. That's a long callback to the '90s. I yeah no I, I I know I know exactly what you're talking about, but also it wasn't just Jay. It didn't. Yeah, okay. Good. You're right. You're Burn right. drew it originally, and then Jay yep. Lee took over. And I was a kid. I was like, what the fuck is this? I had that exact experience. Where I was like, all right, John Byrne on Namor. Huh? <laughs> so, not just the cover, but the whole Oracle Inc. and the flashback. That's all called back to his time there. So we have Carlos Magno drawing the present day, as we've had. Butch Guys drawing the flashbacks. And I'll be honest with you, Josh. This was my pick of the week runner-up. Uh-huh. I, I kind of was hoping it was going to be just to break your brain after you texted me. I just love the story, and yes, Carlos Magno is inconsistent, especially in this issue, but I think he works overall, and I really, really love the flashback art, which we've talked about to death. Yes. And this was a great Namor issue, and I really, almost art aside, I thought this was a really interesting you know, look into the psychological torment that Namor's going for as we, re- we reveal that he's been sort of mentally hijacked, and he has this projection in his brain of his old friend you know, leading him astray, and he's been he's been you know hallucinating him this whole time, and and we and then the the idea of bringing in Sue Storm to try to get to him was great. Mm-hmm. I I, I love the story a lot in this book, this issue, this series. Yes, and I think it's kind of a batshit crazy, like sort of like over here in this corner and do this weird thing. Mm-hmm. You know that I feel like there can't be that many people reading it, but <laughs> it also has pretty far reaching consequences yep. you know like this is this is this is what started off jason aaron's avengers run so it, this happening off to the side like that's interesting i i do think though that the the problem really is that like i think we have been making excuses for the art most of the time through this and and i was just reading i was like this is not this is not okay it's distractingly inconsistent a very nice way to put it I think it's inconsistent because I think there's occasionally really good stuff. We've highlighted his his work before in, in our best panels yeah. feature. I mean, I think he does do good work. He also does an almost equal amount of kind of, you know, the, the dodgy ba- work. everything in the bar from the point that Sue Storm shows up is is bad. It, it's like Namor's hair is all over the place. Like like uh, Sue Storm is not. It's just not. It's not good. And you know, like. It's it doesn't look like it's a rushed thing, you know. Like there's mm. there's this is monthly fairly thing, yeah. fairly complex sort of panels and layouts and actions and things like that. But the figure drawing is just all over the map. Also, he's Serpentor. <laughs> so well, that's a problem. <laughs> well, I mean, there's a good argument to be made for pick of the week for a book in which he's both Serpentor and beleaguered CEO Namor. Those are two great Namors. Can't I can't argue with you that on that. That's true. Him with his elbows on his desk, holding his head, his hands surrounded by stacks of paper, in a suit in an office, like the end of the shield, mm-hmm. was the best. I laughed so loud at that panel. 
also we got we got seventies, eighties natural Black Panther. We did, and <laughs> I was like, oh, that guy. We're sort of re- glossing over Iron Torch, the new, uh, and not without reason. Jim Hammond, who had his head severed from his old body, and so now Tony Stark has attached it to one of his. Uh, it wouldn't be a suit of armor because it would be no body, but I guess one of his robot armors, his autonomous armors. And so now he's basically armor torch and iron torch. Didn't I love that. My other, my other thought about this, it just occurred to me. All right, so these guys know each other from World War II. Yeah. World War II was 80... 80 years ago. 80 years ago. Um, I know why Captain America looks young. <laughs> I know why Bucky. Wait, I'm getting just got it. I know why Bucky looks young. I know why Namor looks young. I know why Jim Hammond looks young. Mm-hmm. What is the deal with Toro? Exfoliating. He should be a hundred, <laughs> and he looks maybe a rough thirty-five. He's a little doughy. I like that. I do like that, but he'd be a hundred. So I need to know. There, like, it doesn't make sense, and that that. And I know, I know that I was just talking about with the Bendis thing, that, you know, fun is better than correct. But in this instance, like, it's just like, is this just a mistake? Is that wrong? That well, bothered me. I did like that he was drawn in the torch form almost like Alex Ross paints the, the torches. Yes. Like, yep. which is always one of my favorite things, the way he, he painted the torches in the in the Marvels books. But, you know, we've we've talked a lot about the modern... Show, you know, way they portray Human Torch and not loving it. We love the old, cheesy, lined, you know, drawing way they did it. And if you can't do it that way, then this is a good way to do it. Yep. I'm trying to see if I can find anything about Toro and why he's so still young. I don't see anything about his his aging. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Is his metabolism is enhanced. That wouldn't really do anything. He had heart surgery, just like an old person. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> He's he was a he was one of the teen guys, so maybe yeah. he's ninety six, you know, and not a hundred. So it's what you know. Well, I like Connor. this book, despite the fact that the art's inconsistent. It's, it's bad, Connor. Yeah. I'm I'm coming out. I'm I'm saying it. It's bad. It's not. It's not ready. I hate it's no story, worse. Than, it's it's no better than the Daredevil art that you were like. This is bad. No, I think I, I, I don't think that's true. I think that that art is all is, is basically consistently bad across the board. I think Carlos Magno can, can do good panels. You should you should listen to the show that Ryan and I did last week where we talked about it, what and you will disagree. Let's move along. What do you think about the Isad Rubik Fantastic Four covers? I, you know what? I probably didn't even look at them because <laughs> it's a very off model thing. I plowed through three issues of Fantastic Four to get to this one so that I could read it. Fantastic Four thirteen, Dance Lots, Sean Izaki. I've never heard his name before. Marco Min is... He's good. I like, I like his work. I yeah, like the art the was art good. The art was real good. Uh, I, just, I, the, I just... The covers are so off-model, I find it fascinating. I, I, I think they're great, but, like... Yeah, but if you look at, like... I always think back to, like, what the thing looked like when they first started, like, sure. how Kirby drew him in the first issue, and so I'm, I always have a flexibility of mind on those kind of things. This is one of the f- first books I read this week. Uh-huh. In the first half of the books, and this is probably the pick f- for that portion of the time until i got to some. yeah like i said i read three in a row the first one i guess was franklin and valeria getting driving instructions i yeah. thought that was fun and then this sort of two-part honeymoon hulk thing hulk thing which is you know it's 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 the marvel version of gorilla city like if you're <laughs> if you're writing the hulk like well what if we have him fight the thing like we can't do that all the time <laughs> 
but you know, if you're doing your, if you're dance a lot and you're doing your fantastic four run, I get it. And I liked all the drama that went around it. It was like a ticking clock story. He's, he's about yeah. to turn back to, for, for his once a year reversion to human Ben Grimm. And so of course you go on the honeymoon because I guess they can't have sex otherwise. But also it's classic, like Ben Grimm can't win. Yeah. You know, which is, which is heartbreaking. Like he says, it, it's a, it's almost a throwaway line. If it was in a movie, I don't know if it would be, but the way that I read it was like, oh man, we were going to start a family. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's crushing. Yeah. You know, as he's on the honeymoon with, 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 uh, Alicia, Alicia, her father, the puppet master attacks them with the Hulk. That father, I believe it says. That's right. As he's got the clock, the ticking clock to when he reverts human, he's got to beat the Hulk before that happens. Cause otherwise the Hulk is going to, you know, turn him into mush. And so that I thought that was a really fun device for this fight because it got very tense. And even though the Hulk is way stronger than the thing, because the, the story's like, people always ask me, who's stronger, you or the Hulk? And he's like, it's the Hulk. Like, <laughs> it's not me. Um, that was great. Trust me, it's the Hulk. As he's going to punch him in the face. So uh, that was great because, you know, he's, he's an underdog. But he, he figures mm-hmm. out a way to win. And I, I just love this. I don't love the kids stuff in the, this book. I feel like they're too much of a focus. Well, I mean, it's a family thing. And if you have kids, it's a family. And I just noticed Sue's really fetching um, uh, down Fantastic Four vest. Oh, yeah. That's a cool vest. They should sell that. It is. I like that. Uh, that works really well. But like I said, this is an issue totally you know, focused on Ben. And I liked it a lot. Yeah. So here's things I liked. Uh-huh. I really liked... They pounded the sort of like, I'm from Yancey Street and I try really hard into the ground, but I don't think that's inappropriate. They really do, you know, Alicia as the perfect supportive, you know, woman who loves him for what he is, regardless of the, and all that stuff is sort of the, you know, the, the mythology that they need to do. I really like the visual of, you know, he, he was getting busted up. You see what's yeah. underneath. Yeah. And that's not good. You know, like his rock coating comes off and he's, ugh. it's uncomfortable, actually. Yes. The immortal Hulk as he exists is, I think, a very delicate thing. And it it could very easily be shitty. Mm-hmm. I think that characterization as as wrought by Dan Slott in here was kind of shitty. Well, wasn't was it him or was it Puppet Master talking through him? That was I mean that was part of it. Like it was like it was Puppet Master for a while, but after a bit, it became clear that it wasn't. And he just says something like, "No, no, I'm in control. This is just fun for me." And I was like, "I, I didn't buy that." Mm-hmm. So then at the end, like uh, you know, the Hulk then sort of gets his thing back and and goes to find the Puppet Master and. You know, he's like, you're going to do much worse. And he just breaks his fingers. And I was like, you know, over in that Immortal Hulk book, shit's raw. You're not breaking anybody's fingers. <laughs> like, and I was right. like, it just doesn't fit in this book. But that does, you know, that's sort of subjective stuff. But that was what I was thinking. I get that. I don't love the Hulk. I'm always teetering on the edge of that Immortal Hulk book. I'm ready for that story to be done. I think was the last issue, I think was last week. Like, it was really good. Like, the issues are real. I don't love the Hulk like that, but I like the storytelling is good. It veers off and comes back in, and I want to read the story and finish the story, but then I want the story to be finished. That's that, yeah, exactly. So here, as him as a puppet, that I was okay. For, that was okay for me as him. You know, I just I just missed the Hulk. Mm-hmm. That's all. It's fair. So as people who've been listening know, I've been traveling for two weeks, and as while I was traveling, I had my travel bag, and in my travel bag, I had my Harry's travel cover. For my razor, mm-hmm. I had my Harry's handle. I, I have to say, just want to confirm, I was in your travel bathroom for a day. He's not lying, folks. I also had my Harry's post shave balm. And I had my Harry's daily moisturizer with with uh, sunscreen. So I have all my Harry stuff when I go on the road. You're a Harry's man. I'm a Harry's man. 
That's how much I love the brand and how much I love what their products they put out. They put out quality products that you want to use. You don't, you don't even want to leave behind when you leave the house. You want to bring them with you. A lot of guys, they buy disposable razors when they travel. You know, you figure, oh, I'm just going away for, like, I'll just buy a razor at the pharmacy. And No, don't do that. I've made that mistake. Treat your skin right. That disposable razor is going to fuck you up. You don't want that to happen. So this summer, if you're traveling still, you don't have to sacrifice quality for price. Harry's founders were two regular guys, just like Josh and I. Tired of getting ripped off and paying for overpriced gimmicks like vibrating heads, heated blades, handles that look like a prop in a sci-fi film. These are just some of the tactics that the leading brands use to overcharge us shavers for years. Harry makes quality, durable blades at a fair price, just $2 per blade. And to keep prices low, they cut out the middleman. They they sell directly to you. They own the factory in Germany. That way you get your cost savings. Now they provide a great quality of factory direct prices, 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, you can let them know and they'll give you a full refund on your order. That's people who stand behind their products. So here's what you do. If you're interested in getting all this great luxurious shaving product for your traveling this summer, uh, you get a Harry's trial set, which includes the weighted ergonomic handle for an easy grip, the five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and a trimmer blade for a close shave, the rich lathering shave gel that will leave you smelling great, and a travel blade cover to keep your razor dry and easy on the go. And how do you get that? Well, listeners of the show can redeem that trial set at harrys.com slash ifanboy. Make sure you go to harrys.com slash ifanboy to redeem your offer and let them know we sent you. It'll help support the show. It'll keep you looking great, smelling nice. I fully endorse this product. You're all about that. That's true. I do too. All about that Harry's life. That's my next tattoo. True that. I get beat up at the uh, tattoo conventions. Sure. So, Gagor, number four, from Image Comics, Ken Garing does all the work on it. Impressive. Did not expect it to turn into a treatise on capitalism. I dropped off after issue two, by the way. Okay, so... Feel free. I have them. I just... There's no long discussion here. It's just that it was really interesting. The main character goes to this town that, that where he's supposed to find help and all the there's a bunch of residents living outside this giant walled city and they, they like live in a very communal way where they, they make fine artisanal products and they, they, they trade them with each other and then they, they erase each other's debts after the, at the end of the year and but then in the town you got all the other people from their their society that, that wanted to live a capitalist way and they have a super rigid capitalist system people living on the streets everyone's obsessed with these they're, they're basically iPhones. They're basically iPhones. They're these green uh, slabs that project a red cube into the air, and everyone's they're called plates, and everyone walks around staring at them. And so all of a sudden, this sort of fantasy series became a treatise on modern-day capitalism and technology obsession, and it was a little bit of a veer into the corner. I was like, what? What happened? So yeah, that's all I wanted to say. Okay. I'm not bad. It was just like, whoa, what is this book? Yeah, I, I left, I think I just didn't get to number three one week, and then four just came I out. Understand. I understand. I've got them. I understand. But I wasn't like, you know, I wasn't like, I gotta read this right away, because I wasn't sure what it was. I wanted to talk about Powers of X mm-hmm. a little bit. Number two. Because I did not get to talk about the first one. Right. Well, isn't it Powers of Ten? Yeah, I guess. But According to Jim, who would know more than we would? I guess, but it also says, if that's true, then the other book is... Uh, well, this one particularly, uh, House of Ten. They talk about it because it's it, it's it's the base ten. Every every storyline yeah. is, is time. No, I get it. Yeah. I understand. I, I get them. I don't care. This is more of the Hickman that I tend to not want. <laughs> so, I, and I'm trying. I I really like. I think the first one was kind of interesting. The first Powers of X or the first House of X. I liked both the House of X issues. Yes, I like the last House of X issue a lot. 
powers of 10, house of 10 powers of X. Like we were getting too far into this. This is the thing that I don't like about X-Men is that I spend too much time with, I figured it out. I nailed it down. This was, I spend too much time with the characters that I don't care about because there are so many of them. Mm-hmm. And I'm always like, can you just get back to something I care about? And whatever this, the Nimrod thing, which I guess is the master master mold and all that stuff. I can't, I don't know who anybody is in this. I don't, but it's not super interesting. Um, then the one other thing, and I, I literally, I forgot to do this. I was going to call Ron. Mm-hmm. I might do this someday and record a short conversation with him mm-hmm. about Scott Summers. <laughs> okay. Because like, I, I don't like the Scott Summers in this. It's not Scott Summers. Like, like they just killed that character and replaced him with somebody else at some point. Yeah. Yeah. That happened. Was it way back in astonishing where he basically took a, he took a hard turn yeah. to, to militant. He basically hasn't been the same since then. Which happens, but there's a little bit in house of X where, you know that bit where he's like, you know, keep him. We're we were we were friends. Where it was like, it was like, oh, that's that guy. And I get it. Like he that he might that's even that might even be valid, but I don't know that it's entertaining. No, it's not. Um, this issue made me feel dumb. Yep. I'm enjoying House of X quite a bit. I didn't. Yes. I actually like this issue more than I liked the first Powers of X. I didn't like that issue at all. I like the imagination of it. I like yes. the organization of it. I thought all that was great, but I didn't enjoy it. No, from a storytelling standpoint, I, they, it kept jumping around 100,000 years, and I was like, I, I don't, I'm not following any of this. And I imagine, yeah. I don't know if you have to be a hardcore X-Men guy, and I've read a lot of X-Men comics. Yeah. I'm not Ron, our old co-host, who's an X-Men fanatic, but I, I've read a lot. Yes. Uh, I didn't follow it, really. I understand what the guys were saying two weeks ago about how this seems to be a structure in which you read an issue... You're kind of confused, and the next issue fills you in what you were confused about. Like it's that, mm-hmm. that kind of unfolding structure, and that kind of happened has been happening a little bit. But this yeah. issue didn't really help. That me. has to be used a lot more delicate, generous. You know, like I think that I think that Hickman abuses that because I don't want to be confused the whole time. No, I don't. I mean, and I question. don't want to have to wait a year for a resolution on something to tell me why I should have been enjoying it all the lo- all along. I mean, that structure can be really satisfying. Yes. It just has to be really, really elegantly done. I don't know if you guys talked about it last week, because again, I haven't listened to the show yet, but is, is he saying Moira McTaggart's power is that she is constantly reincarnating? And, and so it's not, yeah. she's not, she's not reincarnating back into the same world. She's reincarnating to different versions of reality. Mm. Because she can't I took it die as and, then re- coming- and then live again and be the same so- age because everyone else would be dead no it's not that she's coming back to the same time so she's being born over and over again now the definition of a different reality i'm not sure i tended to take it as it's the same world but because like a stream well any any number of things can happen to cause it to choose to change course so well, there like was that scene in the other book where she kept meeting xavier at the bar mm-hmm. and, and trying different tacks with him so i almost i thought it was almost like a groundhog day situation where she kept Becoming born that's into a more new... how I that's more how I took it, but I think that there there they like yeah, so like but for whatever reason there would be differences in each of those timelines and they're not necessarily all dependent on the actions that she takes, but in some cases they are. I understand totally why people complain about Hickman's writing. I tend to like it. I, I liked his Fantastic Four run. I I I liked um his uh other one that I can't think of. I didn't read his Avengers one, but I liked his um Secret Avengers one or the secret what that other one he did that was almost like Shield. Yeah, yeah. I've liked his stuff, mm-hmm. not always, but I like it. Most of the Secret most Warriors. Part. Secret Warriors. Secret Warriors. I liked Fantastic Four. I liked 
something else he did I really like. Uh, this was challenging. This has been challenging. You, you know what? At the same time, though, like I dropped off all those other ones real quick, and I'm still with this, and I don't even like the X Men. So there's something there. I think House of X is terrific. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and that's probably why I don't want to miss something in that. So I'm reading these. God, I I hate looking at Professor X. Well, that's the other it's, thing I was gonna. I'm literally gonna say, and we're we're in the same tune. Is in addition to Toro, mm-hmm. why do both Professor X and Magneto look like smooth babies? I don't know about Magneto because I don't really know his deal. Well, I mean, I, 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 I'm even if it's not, even if it's just an age thing, like. Yeah, he. These guys are supposed to be older than the other characters. They should have some wrinkles. They is, should. I mean, this is a different body on Professor X, though, is what I understand. I guess, like but why was, does he look like a little baby? Because it's a different body. It's a different human altogether. Just weird looking. I don't know. It's creepy. Like it's funny because they they fixed Cyclops. They gave him his visor back because he had the worst costume in all right. the comics for a little while. Right. And they fixed him, and then they took what was wrong with him and made it worse on Professor X. Oh, you mean the the giant the the modern day with the giant helmet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. His yeah, neck, he it. must have neck problems. I hate it. It's terrible. It's not blue spider terrible. It's right under it. He must wake up in the morning and his neck pops ten different ways. Does he keep it on all the time? Like, what's the deal? Can he shower? <laughs> it smells really bad. Yeah. The second comic number two, Mark Russell, Richard Pace. Didn't like it as much as the first one, but I like the idea of, I mean... You know, it's not any, any new to do the dickhead Superman character, but I enjoyed that aspect of it. It's and it's funny because having I just watched the boys mm-hmm. uh, as well, and like that Superman is awful, whereas this one is a little more like just a regular schlub, right? And he says it. He says at some point he go. It, now I I I couldn't fit this in an Instagram post because I had it for a best panel, but he's like, I have the powers of a god, but the mind of a man. Do you have any idea what a dangerous combination that is? Which is a great line, but it is uh, punctuated very well by God waving his a chicken wing at him and saying, really? You done crying, Morrissey? And <laughs> that was a lovely moment for me. Like, I guess we're getting the story going. I couldn't tell you what the story is necessarily. Yes. It's, it's more like hanging out buddies time. I still continue to love the sort of flashback bits more than the main story. Like I, when, when God and Superman were talking in heaven and we went through the whole sort of history of, you know, his devout followers and Noah to Moses to, to the Ark of the Covenant from Raiders of the Lost Ark blasting that, the wall and then the devil trying to tempt Jesus. I loved all that stuff a lot. Yeah. I think, I think you're right. That, and, and what's interesting is like, like Mark Russell, knows that stuff front to back so uh, that makes it really interesting because you can't you can't hold it against him like he's he's kind of bulletproof in that way you know like i i know the text you can't you can't mess with me here superman Uh, getting jealous not jealous but you know there's a his lowest lowest i'm just gonna call him because i don't lowest lane's got a stalker at at work so or uh, not at work but a guy is stalking her at work one of her subjects that he's writing a story about so superman tries to intimidate him that doesn't work and then he ends up I thought killing him, did he just burn the house down? I thought killing him too, but then apparently he just burned that. I wonder if that was a revision choice. Because he came back with flowers. I thought he, I thought he killed him. But anyway, that was... I know, thought he killed him too. This was, that was very easy to see coming, the beats mm-hmm. of it. So that yeah. was less compelling because I could, I could have told you the, what the beats of that, that arc were going to be. Sure. Maybe that's the point because we all saw it coming, including Jesus. Yeah. 
I like this. I still do very much like this. I just, oh yeah, yeah. The first issue I thought was really, really good. This was this was not as good. You probably didn't read. No. The back matter. No, I didn't. The one page important New York City checklists. I think you will really enjoy that. I will. I will do so. I liked that they attempted to show heaven. <laughs> it's like wow, that's a bold choice to do that. Mm-hmm. Also, it looks awful there. There's traffic. There's dinosaurs, and whales floating around. There's a there's lot a- of people and animals. If you think about it. Yeah, it's got to be overcrowded. It's a food court with all the that was a clever page with all the dead uh, chain restaurants. I had to look up to see if Chi-Chi's was dead. I wasn't. I did not know that. I did, yeah, 2011 was a bad year for those apparently because three of them were gone in 2011. I miss Kenny I think, Rogers roasters. That was a good one. I don't think I've ever had that. We I'm had that in New York. You know, made famous. I'm by only Seinfeld. aware of it because of Seinfeld. So the reason why Seinfeld did it, I think, is because when it opened in New York City, it caused a minor craze. People were like mm-hmm. lining up to go, and uh, it was very good. And then it went away. I do like the idea of going to a food court with everything, and apparently you could just eat whatever you wanted there. No. <laughs> well, at the very least, heaven should have no calorie problems. That should be the very least. That's that's to me the definition of heaven. Uh huh. Eat as many chicken wings as you want. Oh, God, chicken wings are so good. They are good, and I order them even if I shouldn't. Like, uh huh. You definitely shouldn't. We have more than enough pizza, but let's also get some wings. That's always my my. Wouldn't, you wouldn't think the buffalo sauce would make pizza better. <laughs> you wouldn't, and I'd sh- I. But I, but I'll be damned if it doesn't. I had a terrific buffalo chicken sandwich on vacation, and it was delicious. I've done that. I've done that a lot of times. I meant to change the order of these books, but I f- forgot to. So you get two in a row. Okay. One is very quick. Uh, Conan the Barbarian Exodus number one. I, I guess it's sort of like a one shot or uh, like an annual kind of thing mm-hmm. this was story and art and color all by isa ribic and i thought that's compelling well, that's interesting yeah it's basically a story of young conan the barbarian done gi joe snake eye style uh there's no uh, oh, dialogue in the mm-hmm. book at all so it's all sort of just storytelling and reading and conan you know is young and he's attacked by a wolf and then he beats the wolf and then he's attacked by a cougar beats the cougar and bear and uh, it was really beautiful. It was it's not, it's not very good. <laughs> Wait, not good? No, there was no story to it. Should I like, read it? It was just, you should look at it. All right, hold on. I'm downloading it. Like, you should look at it. Well, that's, yeah. But, like, there wasn't a, it was just, like, trials of Conan. And, like, by the third animal he had to fight, I was like, I get it. It's cool. And also, like, as great of an artist as he is, there's a bit where, like, a, like a wolf looks kind of weird, and then after that, a cougar shows up, but it looks enough like the wolf that I had to, like, go back and look. I was like, wait a minute, what? I'm looking at it now. It's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. It's beautiful. And the storytelling is really fun. And to watch, a, you know, a guy like this do his thing and, and just sort of, you know, uh, you know, freestyle on the page. Is fine, but like from a story standpoint, like it wasn't really much to much to chew on. Wolf, cougar, bear, soldiers. He gets soldier. a horse. Then he changes his clothes again after he gets his soldier outfit immediately, which is weird. And he, he drinks some goat tea. I do kind of like that. This dialogue, but it's all in whatever Hyperion language, yeah. so you can't yeah, you yeah. know what it says. That's that's I like that. Well, I was curious because he's he's not a, a native English speaker. Other than in that Bendis book. It blew my mind um, when Ryan told me many episodes ago that Conan was taking place in our world. I never knew that. On all my years of Conan stories, I thought it was some sort of fantasy realm. I didn't realize it was like ancient England. 
I, I'm I'm almost choosing not. Like, is that like the canon? Is that yeah. what? No shit. Yeah. But it's all made up societies. They were tribes back then. Fair enough. Brahma thing? I don't know. Like, were there people who were Kramists? I guess. Ask Mark Russell. Wanted to bring up... Uh, I don't think he... Does he know all religion? <laughs> Are you a Krom uh, expert, Mark Russell? <laughs> I, guess Sony, I read Sony is in the Krom world, isn't it? Yeah. Just that doesn't publishers. take place in our world. That does not. It just doesn't. <laughs> I wanted to bring up James Bond Origin number 12, story by Jeff Parker, art by Abraham Mustafa, colors by Michael Garland. This is a really good issue. Uh, basically, that's that's why I'm bringing it up. I assume it you've was, been reading this all the way through. I have, yeah. And I, I really, I mean, like, like I'm a big I'm a big Jeff Barker fan, and I'm a big um, Abraham Mustafa fan. You know, like the premise of this is just great. It's James Bond before he was James Bond as a sort of young spy in training, you know, a special ops kind of guy during World War II. Yeah. In this one, they go to Italy. They are trying to hook up with the contact of a, a like one of their colleagues had married. Uh, this Italian woman, and she had to go back because her mom was dying, and then he was killed. And so they're trying to figure out what happened, and they have a nice moment where they tell her what to do. And then, like, the guard comes in, and they have to, you know, they have to figure out how to get away from him. And so it's all spy crafty kind of stuff. And then they, they literally go on the run from them, and and they they knock over a crate of oranges. There's just a page of like trying to slow them down by knocking over a crate of oranges, and both of the you know the Italian soldiers fall over. And I was like, that's ridiculous. But it was really fun, and it, it just went back and forth between sort of wacky, you know, sort of uh, you know adventure spy antics, and then uh, then some real sort of sincere heart stuff. It's a really good issue, and is it's it been you know, still going uh, on. Yeah, I mean, I don't. This is twelve. I didn't so that's not the see, end. It's o- it didn't say it's over. Next month. Yeah, there's a next... Wait a minute. Oh, no, that's different. I don't know. It's still going as far as I know. I have mm. no reason to believe otherwise. Right. And it's not because it's not like the... I don't want to read the current James... I don't want to read the current James Bond. It doesn't really matter who's doing it. I think, you know, whatever the like uh, contemporary James Bond comic book stories are like that, I'm not super interested in that. But this kind of prequel stuff written by the guy... Who's writing it is yeah. right up my. Ass. Is it still Bob Q? No, it's it's Abraham Mustafa oh, drawing right. it. You said that it was Bob. He Q, did it though. six. Yeah, I think I think Bob Q did the first six. I see. Well, he can do four books at once. We also discussed. Yeah. Um, yes. He's got no problem with that. So those are the books we're going to talk about. If you go to Patreon.com/slash/fanboy and join up, any patron can vote to add a book to the rundown this week. Mostly the overwhelming choice was The White Trees, number one, from Image Comics. Chip Zdarsky, writer Chris Anka on art. Matthew, now Matt, Wilson on colors. And Adita Bitakar on letters. This is, He's a busy guy. He had to figure out how to cut out some time. <laughs> uh, this is an oversized part one of two story, fantasy story, written by Chip Zdarsky. And there was a while where images, everything Image was publishing was sci-fi. Now it seems like everything they're doing is, is fantasy. And it's hard. Because I like fantasy a lot, but for whatever reason, in comics, it's a hard sell for me. I had, yeah, I had some thoughts on that in this. We we get to basically like, I think I figured it out, and it's that I, there was a little bit where I was saying like every time you see a new world, character, language, culture, belief system, and you have to like familiarize well, yourself with it. I, I kind of roll my eyes because I'm like, I don't want to do this, and the reason that I don't want to do it is because it's hard to tell at that point whether it's worth doing it. Because you're putting in a lot of effort to you know read through a thing that may not pay off, and most of them don't. 
but the names on this gave you and gave you enough sort of impetus to be like, well, let's see what they have to say. Right. And I just think I'm I'm always like, all right, let's see how this goes. And it's sort of a long road to get to where you're going to find out if you enjoy something or not. I was really happy to see that it was it was one of two. And I was like, that's what we want. We want a story. Just tell your story. You know, you don't need to. I, I don't. Not every step has to be a journey of a thousand miles. Like, right. just do do a two issue story. That's great. We need so much more of that. And creative standpoint, that was a benefit to me. We, I know at the end of the normally we talk about if we're going to read more of it, but I'm more inclined to read the second issue simply because that's it. Yeah. So this story is, to all due respect to the creators, quite a familiar one. It's yes. It's the three badass warriors from the last war who have now long since retired. Um, one of them has become supreme pacifist. Two of the other ones have gotten married together. They're, one's a man, one is a man, man beast. One's like right? an elf and one's like a man beast. He left his wife for the other guy. They're all retired, but their kids get kidnapped by the rival empire. And so they have mm-hmm. to go out and because the army can't attack because it would cause a, a war to start, they're going to go out, just the three of them, and get their kids back. And it's so similar to other stuff we've seen setup-wise. I thought it was really good looking. I liked Chris Anka's stuff a lot. I didn't love the cover, but I thought the interiors were really good. I don't really know what the point is. Well, I have thoughts. They just sort of traveled and they had sexy adventures, and then they would. But it's only two issues, so I, I felt like I should know more of what the point is. And if, if, if uh, I'm now halfway done, I think that this was a mix of interesting storytelling and world building, and bits of it that weren't. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the main character's deal is basically not basically it's unforgiven. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's true. He had a kid, had a wife. Now he was a bad, you know, he's a badass. He got a wife. Don't make around. me want to watch unforgiven again. She died. Nothing could stop that. Cause I, all you have to do is say no, it. Now, really no more. sooner can I stop you from wanting to watch Un- unforgiven. than Bendis could say, no, we shall not take Batman to gorilla city. <laughs> I, I am not, I cannot, <laughs> A man cannot control. I'm not a miracle worker. Uh, anyway, uh, you know, and that's sort of interesting, but it's very, it's it's very tread over ground, and it seemed like the thing that they did to make this is I'm treading very lightly here. Mm-hmm. The thing that they did to make that more unique was to introduce pansexualism, mm-hmm. that I do not have a problem with on an idealistic level, but it felt very plugged into me. It felt it a little felt, like, look look how cool we are. Yeah. Right, and that's exactly it. And the fact is, and I was trying to be like, well, so is the idea is the idea to normalize this kind of thing? And, and if so, I get that. I think that's valid, and I think, like, stop thinking of things in a binary way the way that you normally do, and, and you know. But it was also played for shock value because the page turn is, you know, the, the, the demon, you know, with his legs spread out and his big hard dick – Yep. And that isn't that's that's not normalizing. That's sensationalizing, and you know maybe it's it's no more sensational than if there was a naked lady there. But it would still be the problem if that was the case. So you had all this stuff in the middle of it for no reason. It was like those old comics, you know, that you'd get your hands on sometimes you know, when you were a kid, and it would just be super sexual in there for no reason. And that's what that felt like. It, there wasn't much of a storytelling purpose to it. I, I liked the bit with the dragon a whole heck of a lot. Mm-hmm. I like that, you know, the, the, the one guy was, was mad, you know, that the unforgiven care, the, the William money, you know, was a coward. And then he stares down a dragon and he lets him go and he flies away. 
you know, and I like that the Elfie character was like, no, that was, he helped us. That was really good, you yeah. know, but all the uh, nymph wood fucking stuff was, it just, was, it, I don't have a problem on a conceptual level with it or a prurient level, but mm-hmm. it took up a lot of pages. And when I got to the end of this, which was already oversized, I was like, what did I just read? Because I like, I don't know anything about these characters really, other than the, the one guy left his wife, which is who's really cool with it. Mm-hmm. She was a cool character. I wanted when he said, "Why don't you come with us?" and she said, "No." I was like, "No, she should go. She's the most interesting out of all these characters." Right. So that's my my sort of my point is that by the end of it, I don't really know any of these people. I don't really know why I'm supposed to care about any of these people. And I only got one issue left to, to and I'm probably going to read it because, like I said, it's only one more issue. Yeah. And I like the art a lot. But, but the point of all that Seder stuff, though, was, I guess, to show that he had no joy in his heart or whatever. But yeah. he could have done that a lot quicker. And I kind of got that sense already. <laughs> I mean, it was pretty clear. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, I, what, it did, what it did illustrate, though, was that, like, he cares about his kids, but he's broken because his wife is gone. So, mm-hmm. they, you know, that was an important bit to let us know. Sure. Um, but it could have just been done better. And, and really, it was like. We're gonna put dicks in this. It's gonna freak people out. Right. Not just dicks. Like, I mean, there's it's this is hardcore. This is like what sex yeah. got, sex got in trouble for. You yeah. Know, there's penetration and all kinds of things going on. Did sex yeah. get in trouble? Yeah. Remember when Apple pulled all the issues yeah. from sale because they. Uh, yeah. That was a that was a long time ago. We were different people then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't bad. It just was like weird. It's good. And not team. weird because of the sex. Just weird because of the storytelling structure. Yeah, so, I think I made that clear. We're not being anti ratings. 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 Out of five. I'm giving it a three. Three? Yeah. Three. I am going to read the next one because yeah. it's interesting. If I, if, I, if I remember. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, if it was a six issue mini, I'd say no. But if it was, but since it's two, yes. Mm-hmm. I'll figure out what it is. Figure out what your angle is, you know, and I don't think they did that. Or at least the angle they figured out wasn't very interesting. Right. So, do you like this show? Not you. You like the oh. show. You have to like the show or you have to pretend to. <laughs> I'm stuck with it. I know. I know you are. We really like the show. That's why we can't stop. <laughs> <laughs> but you're not one of us. So you, what you can do to keep this stuff going is go over to patreon.com slash ifanboy and you will find a way to support the show directly. That is how things work now. You know, all the things that you patronize on Patreon are you are directly keeping that stuff going in a way that just listening or even supporting the advertisers doesn't necessarily do. We really appreciate you do that makes a big difference for us. It definitely helps keep the show going for sure. And we are working on we want to make sure that you get to this next stretch goal that we want to stop talking about and start doing until we find out we don't have time to do it. We're actually inching closer. Yeah, no, I know. We made ground for the first time in a while. A monthly non-comics media podcast. What I say is you get us over the hump for like six months and then maybe back off. <laughs> <laughs> Let us do six tight non-comics shows and then we'll bail out. Yeah. There you go. And we will we will somehow upload all the missing video shows from the YouTube channel so that Tom King can watch them. <laughs> that dude could put us over the hump. Yeah, I think so. ifanboy.threadless.com is also a place that you can go to get t-shirts and, and items and goods soft goods i believe not durable goods but soft <laughs> goods with our various designs upon them you can go to ifanboy.com support 
uh, where you can, if you don't want to mess with any of that nonsense, you just want to send a little PayPal, a tip jar sort of deal over to us, you can do that. And then finally, go to ifembo.com slash Amazon. You will find all the links to buy the books that we talk about on Booksplode, which uh, we haven't talked about a book on Booksplode that you, you shouldn't own, honestly. True. You can check that out there. And just a general link to Amazon for your, your non-invasive purchasing. Uh, that you're doing that that can help us out like that. Let us move along now because if you are a patron, if you have if you have at any at a five dollar level or higher, if you're any level, you could vote for their Patreon pick. Five dollar level or higher, you can you can get a patron power. And um, we're working through our list. We thought it was shorter. Turns out it's longer. So let's get moving with this. Yeah, actually, right before we get to that, I just want to mention that there are some patrons who, in the course of their patronage, have upgraded to the five dollar higher level to get their powers, having started off at a lower level, and. Patreon doesn't actually make it easy to track that. So mm-hmm. we heard from a couple of you and have begun an investigation. We're auditing the list to see who we've missed. It's actually a lot of work because there's a lot of patrons and there have been a lot of more of you over the years who have come and gone. So we have to go through everyone who's ever been a patron to see who we've missed. So if you're out there and you have upgraded and you don't have your power and you're wondering where the hell your power is, you have not been forgotten. I have a giant spreadsheet that I'm making my way through and we will get to you. As soon as we finish the audit, we're going to get to you. Uh, hopefully, that's that happens soon. So just hang in there. We apologize. If you if you have upgraded for a while and then bailed out because you're like, oh, fuck it, I didn't get my power, you're still going to get your power. We're going to make sure everyone who's ever at the $5 or higher level gets their power eventually. So we, yeah. we apologize. That being said, Michael Gordner. Michael Gordner. 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 His power is that he's a human bug zapper. <laughs> Somebody just spent time on the East Coast. <laughs> so if a bug lands on Michael Gordner, it gets zapped. Mm-hmm. That's it. He's That's a bug nice. zapper. I'd take that. Yeah. As, I, I'm, uh, as I'm literally itching my arm with a mosquito bite. John Guerra uh, has a metabolism that effectively cuts his calorie uh, intake by a third. Hmm. So he has to eat more. So you can eat third more chicken wings. Alternately, he gets to eat more. <laughs> it's expensive. If he has to eat more, it is expensive. Yes, yeah, not a full-on like positive thing. There's there's a drawback to it. Yep. But also, another piece of pie over here. More chicken wings. Yeah. I mean, theoretically, you just eat a bucket of salad every day. Yeah. Well, who would want to do that? <laughs> there's a new pizza place in my neighborhood. It's really good, and they have really good chicken wings. But almost every time I go and I order chicken wings, they're like, "Oh yeah, we're out." Oh, what do you mean yeah. you're out of chicken wings? It's four o'clock on a Thursday. That creates that creates desire. Or they like, we only have four of them left. Yeah. And I go, all right, I'll take four. That's how you know they're good though, because like we can only make so many. And then when they're gone, they're gone and everybody wants them. And you know, then when you get them you feel special, you feel like you've won something. It's a loss leader. Sometimes I say, Do you want the boneless ones instead? And like cough. Not really, but okay. Do you swear at them when they say that? No. They're all Brazilian. Okay. It's a Brazilian pizza place. Okay. So it's sexy pizza? It's all it's all sexy pizza. Sean Anderson, his power is that he knows where every object that he's ever owned currently is. Wow. That makes me want to define the 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 meaning of the word own in this context. Um a pair of shoes, a car, a shirt. So it has to have been purchased or gifted to him. Yes. It's not like he could pick up a stick in the woods and be like, this is no, my no. stick. Like a thing. I mean, if he took that stick home and like carried it around for years and you okay, know, yep. it was like a walking stick, that'd be an object he owned. But like, you know, if he gave a bunch of stuff to like Goodwill or something, he would know, oh, there's my shirts in Albuquerque or my, my used car that I sold 
three years ago. It's currently in Jefferson. Is that a place? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Somewhere. He just knows where all these things have gone. Huh. Where they are. Is that a curse? Well, you own a lot of things. Like, like, is it like on his mind all the time? No, no, no. But he just, just he, he needs to pull it up. If he, he thinks about it, he, he just knows. And it's, it's has owned, but does it also apply to the things that he currently owns? Well, that's true. He can also find his things very easily. Right. Because that's, that's, I mean, that's, that's your. The only downside, it's a minor downside. The only downside is that when he thinks about an object that has been destroyed, mm-hmm. he gets a little bit of a chill, a cold chill. <laughs> well, that's problematic when you say, like, make one of those, uh, you know, a dump run. Right. You know. It was just sitting in the landfill. It's still there. But if it's been, like, destroyed, like, crushed yep. or recycled, he gets, like, a cold chill running through. So, like, like not when he thinks about it, but, like, when it happens. Both. Wow, he's psionically linked to it. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> Joe Christensen. Mr. Christensen? When he hears something that's funny, it's always that funny to him. As oh, it was as, the first as time. It was the, <laughs> it's just always <laughs> as good as the first time? Yeah. It's always as good as the first time, with humor specifically. Feels like the uh, first time. This is something that my kids have this power, actually, <laughs> but I do not. So you don't enjoy the same joke a hundred times? Like it turn, turns do? out I don't. <laughs> they, I don't think they do either, but they don't understand that you're not going to get that feeling back. Right. They're chasing the dragon. But Joe can. Again, you know, that, that can be good or bad. If you've seen something that, you know, slaughtered you, that made you laugh so hard you couldn't breathe, mm-hmm. you're never going to get relief from that. That's Anybody great for movies, it. though, because it is. like with comedies, you know, you're never going to get that original laugh again. Yeah. Sometimes if a joke is really good and you give it some space in there, sometimes it's just good. Sometimes it's better. Uh, I'm specifically talking about I watched the first Alec Baldwin Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee episode yeah. again. The best one they've ever done. The, oh, it's the best thing. It's the best thing that either of them have ever done. And, and <laughs> you know, Seinfeld's one of the greatest TV shows of all time. But I can't like it was it was funnier than than I even remembered, or it just like it took so like wow, your Kirk Douglas voice is so good. I think he's a he's a incredibly underrated impressionist. And I don't think people realize how good he is. Yeah, yeah. but also I rewatched it when um, Rip Torn died because it's the, the great Rip Torn story. Yeah. In it. <laughs> so I cracked him in the jaw. <laughs> Peck and paw esque melee. Everyone needs to watch that one. Melee. I remembered it. I could quote it. I was watching it. Everyone needs to watch it. Seven years ago. Yeah, it was a long time ago. So anyway, that's Joe gets that feeling though. That's great. Patreon.com slash iFanboy, the $5 or higher level, you get your own superpower on the show. And as we said, if you haven't gotten it yet, we're, we're, we're moving. We're moving. Let's do a quick email. Andrew from California. I just finished watching The Boys Season 1 and was surprised how much I enjoyed it, particularly considering I dropped off the comic book pretty fast. Two questions. One, if you watched it, what did you think? And two, are there other comic book adaptations you prefer over the source material? You watched The Boys. I have not it? seen The Boys. Okay, yeah. I watched it, and I same thing. I dropped off the comic pretty fast, which is... We talked about this a little last I don't think week, it was but... pretty fast, because you and I both read it for a little while. No, it was long enough for it to change publishers. So yeah. it was at DC for a while, and I think it wasn't even Vertigo. I think it was DC. I think you and I made it into the 20s. I'm yeah. just totally pulling a number out of my ass, but I know we talked about it. I know we read it. We both gave it a, a long Yeah, leash. I consider that. For for a guy who's who's one of my favorite art, I'm looking at a Derek Robertson page in front of me, right? Like, it's on my wall. I mm-hmm. love Derek Robertson's art. I loved it even more than Garth Ennis is, is, is a favorite, if not the favorite. And that just, there was something about it that didn't work for me. It was a little too haggard at a time where I didn't want that. Anyway, the show is great. The show is so, like the, from the, from the first bit, I was, I was hooked. Um, I really enjoyed it. I sent it, uh, I, my, I told my wife to watch it. 
Um, I was like, I think you'll really like this. And she's like two or three in and she's like, this is great. And to her, she had never seen the bad superhero thing. Like we've right. seen it in comics a thousand times, but I don't know that it's been done really well in a, in a, you know, moving format in a TV a or movie. Action like, format. Yeah. Yeah. And, and she's like, I've other than never- Superman three. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was, I was with somebody uh, having drinks on Thursday. Somebody works in entertainment as a employed writer of entertainment. And he was raving about it. Yeah. It, it's, it's really, the casting is spectacularly good. It's a, it's very good, like way better than I, I was kind of excited, but it's way better than I, you know, would have expected. And then, and then I, I, I tore through it. I can't, I can't wait to see more. I was trying to think if there was anything else. So you would consider this better than the comic. It's, I mean, in terms of me... What comic adaptation is better than the source material? You would consider this that? I, I guess, yeah. I think it, it? I think it did it. Elevated the material. Um, you know, it, it's, it's by necessity a different thing than the comic. And I think it, it, it you know, there's enough time, it's probably been 10 years, that it's a different world and is things it are a little different. Yes and no. It's pretty fucking graphic. Right. But it's... it's there's bits where you're like, there's Garth Ennis. I would like to watch it, but I don't know if I have time. I literally just looked at my email and I have a, you know, Mind, Mindhunter season two is on. I'm like, well, I don't have time for any of this. Probably better than that. It's, there's enough, a friend of mine who doesn't read comics said to me, and I, I feel like I maybe talked about a little of this next, last week, and, and I'll, I'll wrap up. A friend of mine who doesn't read comics said, at first I thought it was really gross and stupid and silly, and then at the end I really cared about the character. And I was like, you got Ennis, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> and it, that's what it did. Like, like it captures the that. Mm-hmm. And and I haven't watched the preacher show past the second episode. And I don't know if they ever got to that point. Right. And I I want to try, but I don't think I'll be able to do it. Is my guess. But e- either way, I, so I can, can you think of anything that you liked better? Yes. Two off the bat. Uh, History of Violence. Okay. Yep. That's better. The Cronenberg adaptation. Much better. much better. I think Road to Perdition is way better as a film than a graphic novel. I thought it was a good graphic novel. I thought it was, thought it was a terrific film. It's easier with indie graphic novels that aren't about superheroes because they're human stories, and they're off, that's often better in film when you can when you can see actors and emotions. And- yeah, yeah. Have you ever read a Black Panther comic that you like better than the Black Panther movie? Ooh. No. There you go. But that's not a straight-up adaptation, but I get what you're saying. No, but it's taking the bits and putting them together. No, I think, I think Black Panther has... More compelling on screen than he has been. Well, he's been, he's really good in the Avengers book. It's just the Avengers, the solo book, yes. He is, but I think that it's one of those times where like the the character in the movie was so much better defined than he's been in the comics for such a long time that it gives everybody context for the movie for the comic book version, and then you can go forward from that, and it makes the comic books better. Well, I mean, if you want to go down it's that route, not. Batman the Animated Series is better than most Batman comics. It's just those aren't straight up adaptations of the books. That's. True. You know I mean? That is that is the best character. That and that Justice League cartoon are some of the best characterizations of those yep. characters, for sure. So that's I mean that's sort of stretching it a bit. But like you, you, the more accurate would be to talk about the DC animated films that are direct adaptations. And yeah, but and you that. almost wouldn't trade any of the movies for the book. Mm. Which movies? Like the, the DC animated films, I mean. Oh, no, the, so like, the, the books are all better in those cases. Right, that's that's my point. You know, well, if you watch the movie and you're like, this was better than the comic book. You could make a case that that Under the Red Hood, which was the adaptation of the Return of Jason Todd, as we bring it back to the beginning of the show, that Judd Winnick wrote himself, he had adapted his own work. Mm-hmm. You could make a case that, that was better. 
Yeah. The rest of them are all not as good as the books. Like the New Frontier one's really good. It's not as good as the book. No, no, but that's that's an impossibly high bar. Right. <laughs> I mean, I, you could maybe make a case that the two-part Death of Return of Superman they just did was better than the original book because it doesn't have all those 90s tropes dragging it down. Right. But overall, I wouldn't say those are better than the books. But the again, the animated series, that version of Batman and through Justice League and, and also Superman the animated series are better than most comics. Yeah. It's a gray area. It is. It is. That Superman TV show was better than most comic books I've read. Very, very good. And it, it holds up. Yes, it does. Contact at ifanboy.com is how you can write in like Andrew. Get on the show. Thanks for writing in. Let's plug some things. We've got a Booksplode out now from last month. It was Planetary Book 2. Josh and I talked about Planetary. Finished the loop on that. Josh finished the book for the first time ever. We had a really good time talking about it. And I we, finished other books that we did Booksplodes on, just to be clear. <laughs> <laughs> um, we know what books we're doing for the rest of the year, and we'll be announcing those in due time. Yeah. You can send us in suggestions, as people do, but we pretty much know what we're doing. We're not going to tell you in case we change our minds. we get a better idea, but I think we're pretty locked in for the rest of the year. There's only two more books for the rest of the year. Yep. Right? I don't remember what they are, but I believe you. I remember we talked about it, but I've forgotten since then. September? No. Yes, yeah, September, September and November. Yeah, two more books. Okay. Yes. Yep. So that was my part. So I'm yep. going to do your part. Mm-hmm. There's a, a patron hangout. It's coming up. It's tonight. This is when I had to work out. So if you're listening to this on Sunday, it's it's Sunday the 18th. If if you're listening to this later, I'm sorry. Yeah. But if you're a patron, you can always go back and watch the the hangouts, even if they're not necessarily live. Or if you're listening now and you're thinking maybe I want to become a patron. You want to That's get good. in on a hangout action? It's tonight. Me and Josh and usually Ron will hang out for an hour and talk about nonsense. Sometimes comics related, sometimes not. We do that every month. So if you want to yep. get in on that action, it's tonight. It's really fun. They're really fun. I'm yeah. always like struggling to like fit them in, but once we get going, I'm like, that's great. Oh, an hour is over. Damn. Batman Hush, you're doing it. It's a thing that's happening this week. Okay, that's the Animation Brain Trust. We haven't recorded yet, but we will be recording it this week, and it'll be coming out this week. It's possible that's better than the comic book. It's absolutely true. So we'll find out this week. And then finally, August is the month that we would do a talk split. I do it every other month. And I, I had a guest and it went to – it has to go to the next one. And I have another one um, that I'm working on scheduling right now. I'm talking to the person. And I don't like to tell you who it is until it's recorded because this stuff can always fall apart. But here's what I know. One, I'm going to have to push the release until September because of some deadline stuff. But I think that that's absolutely worth it for you listeners. And I hope you hang on with me and trust me. Two, pretty big name. Interesting name. Who has never been on any iteration of our shows. I've never talked to him. We've never had him on, I don't think. No, never. Yeah, and I'm, I have I'm plenty to discuss. Pretty sure. Yeah. No, no, no. Now you've got me questioning. I'm, I'm almost certain. I've never met him. We did I've a lot of him. interviews over the years. I don't think we've ever had a comic him. show. I've never had him on a Talksplode or, or a Don't Miss. It's a new thing. I'm, I'm kind of excited. I'm even a little intimidated. Basically, Josh is saying he had somebody lined up for this month. They had to push it a few months. Of the last second, which blew up his whole, yep. his whole world. So this is what happened. This is the danger of having your interview show, your show based about interviews. Yep, yep. This is also why I don't understand how people do a weekly interview show. It would stress me the hell out. I couldn't do it. They have bookers. Yeah, no, I know. I, you have to be a full-time job, though, basically. <laughs> I'm going to take your spot again. Head over to fanboy.com. You can find all of our old podcasts, the Pick of the Week show, all of our Talksplodes and Booksplodes, and you go even further back and find things like our special edition shows about movies and TV shows and Don't Miss shows that we used to do back in the days and Josh's old How to Make Comics show. What was that called? Make Comics. Make Comics. <laughs> <laughs> 
Josh, what was that show about cars called Cars? Is that still on there? Those shows? Uh, no. There were a lot of shows in the back in the day. And yeah. uh, you can find most of them on knockdownboy.com. All the old writing, too. I keep saying that, but I don't know if people realize how much we used to do up until 2013. There's all there. Uh, fanboy.com. You can find where the pick league is before the show comes out by liking facebook.com slash fanboy, following us at fanboy on Twitter, also following us at fanboy comics on Instagram. In addition to that, you can find the best of the week in panels feature on Instagram. That's a lot of fun. Individually, we are at J.A. Flanagan on Twitter and Instagram, and at C.S. Kilpatrick on Instagram. You have throttled back a bit on your Twittering. I'm I'm in a very light use situation. I will go in there and check to see if there's anybody who was asking me anything, anything I should reply to. But that's about it. Because scrolling through the other part of the feed was far too deleterious to my well-being. If you like this show, guess what? You're part of the marketing team. Um, right Even now, hired. we're going to have a brief, we're gonna have a brief uh, marketing uh, stand-up uh, while you're listening. So if you're out there, uh, your job is to tell people about the show who you think might like it. Not, don't be a dick about it. Don't be – you haven't listened to that? What's wrong? I don't want that on me. Yeah. We'll hear about that. If you see an opportunity, if you, there's a time where somebody's like, you know, like, well, what would I like? You, oh, you, you might like this. You could do that. That's your job as a listener. You can't put it on your resume, and we can't and, be listed as references, but it is your job. And I want to be absolutely clear about there are no benefits. You don't get paid, and we don't no. offer dental. No. That's, no. I mean, that's absurd. You don't, you, know, you don't have to do a lot, for one thing, <laughs> so I don't know why you're getting all shirty about it. Fine, you're fired. Tell people about it on social media. Tell your friends about it. Tell your tell your everybody. Uh, you know, and do it for not just our show. Do it for any show you love. I'm super excited. I talked about turned out a punk last week, and and Jay Bentley, the bass player from Bad Religion, is on this week, and I haven't listened yet, and I'm super excited about it. It's a great show. <laughs> Damien gave me a hug. Damien gave everybody a hug. He's Massive. a hugger. Yeah, if your podcast host was in a hardcore band and also pretty freely dispenses hugs, that's not bad. <laughs> All right, so that's the show this week. Thanks for listening. I am Connor. I'm Josh. Bye-bye. Head out on the highway Looking for adventure And what